You're listening to Tarazi Tuesdays with the Bible as Literature. Hi, this is Father Mark Bulos, and you are listening to Tarazi Tuesdays with the Bible as Literature podcast. This week, Father Paul explains the Hebrew wordplay in Genesis chapter 3, underscoring, as always, the criticality of the original languages. While he has often emphasized that Genesis 1 through 4 contains the entire message of the Bible, he is quick to point out that this message is found in the hearing of the original Hebrew words, which reappear later in the biblical canon, and not in the understandings in our minds. I am happy to introduce Father Paul on the Bible as Literature podcast, Tarazi Tuesdays. To repeat what I said earlier, again, chapter 2 and 3 are one story. They are connected. Let's forget about chapters and verses and so on. So this passage we're discussing, 3, 1 through 13, continues. It is connected very clearly, even word-wise, that we have at the end of chapter 24, suddenly, and they realized that they were naked, and then this topic comes up immediately in chapter 3. And then the connection with the command that was earlier in 2.16, and it's very clear, but we need to keep this in mind. Now, this becomes very important when one realizes that at the beginning of 3.1 in Hebrew, we have the same situation as we did in Genesis 1-2, meaning that we do not have and in the sense that the story is connected, but as I explained, when you have the subject before the verb in Semitic languages, you are using a nominal sentence and you are beginning something new. So, Wuhan-Nahash and the serpent at the beginning of 3.1 is exactly the same as and the earth in Genesis 1.2. And this is reflected in the Greek very clearly. So as to the serpent, suddenly we are introducing a new element and we're going to talk about it, the way chapter 1 deals with the earth here we have the introduction of the serpent and his function in the story. So we have a description of the serpent, then we have a rendering of his input. A second item that underscores this connection is that the word that is translated subtle or wise, if you want, which is arum in Hebrew, is extremely close to arom, which is naked. Especially if you hear it, and here again, the importance of the original. The plural of arom in Hebrew, which 
we found in 2.24 is arumim. And the subtle is arum. So to the ear, it sounds that arumim, the naked of 2.24, is the plural of arum in 3.1. Meaning that it is the same notion, the same root. And that becomes very important because the serpent is going to play on this change in Adam and Eve, and he's telling them, actually, it is not that important. We'll follow that. But then, to render more forcefully, as I did in my book, Arum would be to render it as smooth, sleek, slick, if you want. And that happens to be reflected in the form of the serpent and hence its choice that it can sneak very smoothly, swiftly, sneakily in between things. And this is what the serpent is going to do when he will play on the mind of the woman of the man. Very interesting. And its sneakiness is also linked to the fact that he was one of the creatures of the field, Hayat Hasadeh, just one of these animals that were made by God out of the ground. So here again, we see the interconnection between chapter 2 and 3. Very powerful. But I said enough. Let's go now to the text itself that this serpent proposed to the woman a statement that does not correspond to the original statement of God. Let me do a jump. This is what Paul does at the beginning of Galatians, that his opponents present something that is close to the gospel, but they are perverting it. And here we start with the perversion that will end up with the deception of the woman at the end of the passage. He says, did God say you shall not eat of any tree of the garden? And the woman said, no, it is not true that we may eat, but we should not eat from the tree or the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden. Here again, the word midst of the garden will be repeated in this passage. I like to stress always literature because it is the sound that is important, the repetition. It draws your attention in a specific direction. And then the serpent does his direct attack. No, it is not true. You will not die, but actually you will be like God, knowing the good and the evil. That's very important meaning that the serpent is proposing that God doesn't want them 
to eat so that they would not become like him. But the trick is that when you've heard chapter 1 and chapter 2, you realize that the serpent and the man and the woman are all ultimately from the ground. Remember that the woman came out of the rib of Adam. Whereas God is a totally different person. Totally different reality, if you want. And the human being cannot be like God, who practically in all religions does not die. He remains the same throughout the generations. But the human beings do die. The serpent mentions death, but he pushes to the real thing he wants to get to, namely that the human being will become like God in his knowledge, and thus he becomes in the position of judging correctly what is to be done. Once you do that, you eliminate the law. Let me do a jump into what happened in theology and especially in Orthodox theology, is that when you are filled with the Spirit of God, then there is no law. You're not bound. You are either above the law or without the law. But this is not what Paul says in Galatians chapter 5, that ultimately you are bound by the law of the Spirit, which he develops in chapter Eight of Romans. In other words, you are always under the direction and the directive of God. Remember, the word instruction speaks of the content and of the shape of what is communicated. And thus, he is proposing to them total freedom which Paul again criticizes in Romans 6 when he tells the Christians, you are just imagining that you are free. No, when you are freed from a situation, you become the slave of another person. You are always under the authority of someone. And in 1 Corinthians 11, he does the same and that is, I am aware, very difficult to understand. <laughs> you know, because we are bound by our premise that somehow we are a reflection of God. We have the spark of God. We have the image of God in us in the way theology misconstrued it. I took my time to explain the meaning and the function of image and likeness earlier. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and it was delight to the eyes, which is exactly the description of the trees earlier, but then you have the addition and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise. And you have that very important verb, haskil to teach correctly from which we have 
maskil, the title of many psalms, one of which being the very important Psalm 78, maskil, and this comes only from God. We have this taken up later in the book of Daniel, who is presented as being a maskil, wise person. And at the end of the book, we shall hear that the maskilim, the wise, shall shine in the firmament. But then Daniel is wise because he was following the law to the letters. And thus, wisdom comes from God. We have it also in the story of Solomon and so on and so forth. But the serpent, the slick, the sleek, the smooth, misled the woman to assume that it is the tree itself, the fruit of the tree itself that gives the wisdom as though it is an automatic thing. No, it is so because it was assigned by God. The same applies to the other tree, which is central, the tree of life. It gives life because God allows you to eat from it. And then if he doesn't allow you to eat from it, then you will die. And in verse 7, we have suddenly a big change. The eyes of both were opened and they knew that they were naked. And this is the difference between 2.24 and 3.7. Notice the play. They knew that they were naked. And this is the verb yada which applies on the one hand to the knowledge of the good and the evil, and later it will be picked up by the books that deal with the law. It is the knowledge of the law, of the commandments, that is your security. So we have a lot of words that are already thrown here, and they will be developed later in Scripture. Again, this allows me to repeat that we have the entire message of the Bible in chapters 1 through 4. But where is that? It's not in your mind and the way you understand things. It is in the way you have to hear things, the use of technical words that are very important. They acquired, if you like, not necessarily the, the wrong knowledge, but the bad knowledge. It is not the knowledge that God wanted for them. And you see their reaction. They wanted to hide their nakedness. Now, nakedness is again very important because this in the prophets is the sign of the punishment of God to put people to shame. And I talked about that when I discussed 2.24, that they were naked and they were not ashamed. Now they are ashamed. So the punishment is already there if you have the correct ear to listen to the original. And the following verses will 
go in depth or if you like in detail to show you that this comes through God's judgment that will culminate in the curse. And in verse 8, they heard the sound of the Lord and intend the sound. That is disastrous in RSV. It gives the impression that they heard the footsteps of God walking. But no, the original is call, which means the voice which we have in KJV. So they heard the voice of the Lord walking in the garden. In other words, they heard the voice of the Lord God who was walking in the garden. And then, as I explain in my book, it is the voice that has a content because in 9 we have the Lord God called the man and said to him, Where are you? God speaks of his voice again. I discuss this in detail in my book, which is expressed in the law, especially in the book of Jeremiah. So, again, I know it sounds tedious, but it's very important that my hearers would just hear it, that it is so in the text. And the walking, as I explained, is specific. It is that verbal form of walk, which means to go back and forth around, to walk around. And I take my time in my book to stress the fact that this applies to the shepherd. So already God is the shepherd right from the beginning. And as we hear in Psalm 80, he, as shepherd, sits on the throne of the cherubim to judge everybody, including the deities, two psalms later in Psalm 82. So that walking is much more serious than people would imagine that he was just taking a stroll, and this is reflected again in the calamitous RSV and most of the translations in the cool of the day, which is very silly compared to the original where we have the expression Ruach Hayom. The Ruach is way back in Genesis 1-2, disappears completely and reappears here. And the Ruach, as I say time and again in my books, it is the facet of God that is linked to judgment because Ruach means a mighty wind that destroys everything. This is how God appears in Ezekiel chapter 1. So heavy, I know, but that's the text. I'm dealing with the original text, and perhaps this would be a good introduction of my hearers to what Scripture is all about. Just a few verses that have so many words that are important in the original. Because the cool of the day goes all the way back to the Septuagint. To Vilinon, like in the evening. You can hear this word in Oglatsam light. 
In the original, it has the connotation of ruach that was connected with the darkness and the waves in Genesis 1. So if you are hearing it in the original, you are already perturbed and you are expecting something really ominous. And the change comes in the question of God. Where are you? Because remember, they hid themselves. And the man said, I heard the voice of thee in the garden, which would be your voice in the garden. And I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. So verse 10 corroborates my understanding of the text. That the reaction of hiding came when they heard the voice. The Bible as Literature is a production of the Ephesus School Network.